Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic's great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wurzlow. Got it out to a oh. kick, kick smothered, check, Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Kicks inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a player. Shake needs to be in perfect the premiers of 1992. The 1994 premiers. Premiers. The 2018 AFL I'm your host, Honey Badger 35 and joining me this week is Miguel Sanchez. Miguel, good to have you back. Yeah, good to be back. Um, yeah, the team's winning and um, life's sort of returning to normal in WA. So, yeah, all good. Ticking along very nicely and we will continue to do so with another familiar face or familiar voice, I suppose. Welcome back to the show, Keys. Keys, how are things? Yeah, good. I'm uh, channeling my inner ochre tonight and just finishing off some dinner. So I've got some bacon and... Sausages and asparagus and mushrooms and tomato and egg. Look at that. Yeah, so excuse me if I've got my mouth full from time to time. <laughs> it's the Bigfooty Eagles culinary podcast and g'day to Oka, famed ex-podcaster, I suppose. He hasn't really been on for a while, but yeah, used to love eating during this. So g'day, Oka, and uh, g'day to everybody out there who's keen for a review of Key's dinner at the end. We'll circle back to that one. Uh, guys, we do have an away game this weekend. Unfortunately, we will not be doing the live commentary, though. So you're stuck with Fox for the weekend, but... Hopefully that only whets the appetite more for when we bring it back a little bit later down the line. So no live commentary this weekend. Uh, We'll be stuck watching it on that feed, same as you all. Otherwise, guys, we've had a game on the weekend. As Miguel said, we've had another win. It was West Coast over Adelaide, so let's jump in. West Coast Eagles, 16 goals, 10, 106. Defeated Adelaide, 11 goals, 10, 76. Some three-word reviews here, guys. Thank you very much for sending them in. And most of them follow a similar theme. A lot of it to do with the failure to rack up the percentage. Seb started it. He said, put teams away. Bart says, hot and cold. Gordon said, very scrappy game. Dylan says, fifth on percentage. An ominous sign there, Dylan. I don't really like that one. But anyway. Uh, and Ben similarly said, scared of percentage. And then, guys, pivoting away from the percentage chat and onto the main takeaway from the game, the Jack Darling chat. Lee said Jack Darling showtime. Rod said Jack the difference. And Jake, in relation to JD's nutmeg goal, said no, no, yes. Miguel, let's start with Jack Darling. He was the biggest story of the second quarter, probably the biggest story of the game. Uh, The King is back, I guess. Yeah, we spoke um, a week or two ago about Darling and how maddening it was that he sort of he seemed able to switch it on for a quarter here and there, but not a full game, and and that's pretty much what we got on the weekend. Um, he, uh, bloke sitting next to me, had no sooner said, "Oh, gee, Darling's having a shocker," than four minutes later he had three goals, uh, and then yeah, bobbed up for five in about twenty minutes of playing time, I think, and then um, didn't do a lot else for the rest of the game. Really uh, presented well, but um, didn't hit the scoreboard again. So yeah, it's this maddening thing where can occasionally look like the best player in the competition, but uh, doesn't even last a whole game. So maddening, yeah, but that ended up, I mean, those five goals ended up being the difference. We kicked, we we won by an even five goals. Uh, and you, you take out that little period we had, we kicked six straight to end the second quarter. You take that out and we actually lost the game. So that's a bit of a worry against Adelaide. But um, yeah, certainly 
Darling was the highlight and the difference. Yeah, huge second quarter for Jack Darling. Nine touches, five marks, five goals all in the second term. Uh, Migs, like the bloke you were sitting with, I was probably not far away from posting something about Darling having a quiet game because I thought he'd have a big one. Um, The Crows are susceptible to giving up a bag to these big boys, but he was letting me down midway through the second term. But then Keys, of course, it all drastically changed. Miguel mentioned there that Jack Darling at times looks like the best player in footy. And I think we can all agree that the most recent time we've seen that for a long stretch of footy was 2018, those opening few rounds. Now, this one was pointed out really nicely on Big Footy. Basically, let's do a quick comparison, Keys, between his 2018 season and his 2021 season. Because to me, Jack Darling's sort of flying under the radar a bit, but the numbers aren't a mile away. In 2018, he averaged 15.8 touches per game. That's down to 13.8 this year, but not far away. Uh, goals through his first nine games, he had 28. Well, he's got 26 this year. Marks, he averaged 8.2 a game. That's down to 6.6. But again, you know, that's one and a half marks away. Marks inside 50, 3.7. This year, it's 3.1. And contested marks, it was 3.3. This year, it's 2.3. Now, Key's clearly there. We can see he's down, but not by much. And that was a period of time that Jack Darling was, you know, an all-Australian lock, best player in footy lock, all of this sort of stuff in the first nine rounds of 2018. So are we actually underrating his season a little bit? Maybe. I think also, though, if my memory of 2018, you took probably three or four rounds to to really get going, which would probably dampen those numbers a little bit. If you looked at, say, a five-round block prior to him doing his ankle injury, it'd be a little bit... Those averages would jump up a bit, I think. But And I think this year, he's doing it... He seems to be doing it in bursts. I mean, no better example than... Sunday's game where he just, you know, had a 15-minute blitzkrieg and just won the game. But then outside of that, didn't have a massive influence. Probably had a couple of shots to goal that he that he might have got, um, but missed. So I think in 2018, I reckon he was probably a bit more consistent over the course of the game than what he's what he's been this year so far. But you know, he's not far away. He's had some 26. What is he? I think he's fourth or. Maybe fifth on the Coleman. Yeah, fourth highest, third highest total, fourth overall, I believe. Yeah, so he's you know he's he's thereabouts. He's going all right. So yeah, if he can just just keep it going for longer than a little burst, he he will be yeah pretty much the best forward in the game. He's got that ability. Miguel, turning our attention to the other end of the field and the Adelaide game marked the return of two notable guys in the back line: Jeremy McGovern and Tom Barras. A bit of a shaky start for both. I think, you know, Barras had a few marks taken on him and Gov was just all over the place. The Eagles took a little while to settle things down overall and, and I think McGovern and Barras settled down alongside them. Good to get that one out of the way. Are you concerned about the amount of rust that they showed? And, and basically, what does it mean having these guys back for the long term? Uh, I think they shook it off, yeah, fairly quickly. They had a few moments, yeah, probably in the first quarter, where they were getting beaten by some of Adelaide's uh, sort of low, uh, no-name tall forwards, but uh, I think they settled down and and the back line seemed to click and they were able to stop forward entries pretty well. The most concerning thing for me, I think, was the amount of times that they um, coughed up a goal by you know, trying to do the chip around the back line and chip across goal and miskicked it and turned it over. It was probably more of them than I've seen in a game for a while. Um, but neither than that, I, I thought they, they settled down pretty well. Um, they, they got back into their stride and, yeah, they'll be better for the run. And we've got the uh, the problem this week of trying to fit Hearn back in there as well, possibly, and then you know, someone's going to be unlucky and miss out. Another veteran who wasn't back from injury, but Keyes was probably back in a form sense, so definitely his best game of the season, that's Jamie Cripps. 
Field kicking outstanding from Cripps. The fumbles weren't there. The intent was right up. He's had 10 marks. He got his goal. He was second on the Eagles in metres gained, 638 metres gained. That was just behind Alex Witherden. So all in all, a fantastic game from Jamie Cripps. And how important could it be having him back for the foreseeable future if this is indeed the real Jamie Cripps? Yeah, that's the Jamie Cripps we um, we know and love. That's the sort of game you, know, you want from him. Like you said, clean with the ball, no fumbling, covered a heap of territory. Yeah, he ended up, got reward with a goal at the end, which you know, he deserved. Yeah, just that's the perfect half-forwards game, I think. And, you know, spent a bit of time coming off the wing. So I think someone asked Simpson whether or not they changed his role a bit. And, of course, he said, no, they didn't. But I think he um, he, he was changed his role a little bit than what it had been. And we're all the better for it. So, no, really good game for Cripps. Good to see. And I was thinking at one stage, yeah, he, he would have been close to best on ground. I think the, the coaches' votes had Jack and TK sharing the top votes and then Nick and then I think Cripps got the sort of fourth or fifth vote from each coach sort of thing. But, yeah, really good game from him and, and hopefully he can uh, use that as a platform for the rest of the season. A team high eight inside 50s for Cripps. Next best were Nick Nat and Tim Kelly with five each. So, yeah, great to see him working his way up the field, whether he's starting on the wing, which he certainly was a few times, or whether this is what we need to expect from him throughout the season. Yeah, great great to see Jamie Cripps back. Miguel, you did mention when we were talking about Jack Darling, if you take away that six-goal burst from the Eagles, we would have gone down to the Crows. Now, granted, I think if you take six goals away from most teams' scores, they're probably going to lose more than they win. But the point stands, the Crows are where they're at at the moment, and that's, you know, a young team, a developing team. A few injuries, a few veterans were missing, and at home, nice day, you really would have thought that the Eagles would put them to the sword. Having a look at the quarters one statistic, the Eagles are last in the league for fourth quarters one. We have three fourth quarters one this season in nine games. That is tied for last with the Gold Coast Suns, with North Melbourne, and with Collingwood. Not exactly pristine... uh, company to keep there Miguel this lack of killer instinct is a trend we've been coming back to for years now seemingly is it getting to a genuine concerning point for you or is it still you know there's mitigating circumstance in a game-by-game sense is it a lack of killer instinct or is it a lack of, of fitness or is it the fact that our game plan is is quite demanding and maybe our players have worked so hard to get into their positions defensively and, and worked as well offensively to you know run and create you know, link-up plays uh, in the, the kick-mark game style that we've, um, by the fourth quarter, they're sort of out of gas and allowing teams to get a few goals on them. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. The lack of, yeah, it's really frustrating as a fan, the lack of uh, an ability to um, yeah put some percentage on teams when we've uh, we've got the game in our hands. And yeah, that, that Adelaide game, uh, apart from that second quarter, I'm not sure how many quarters we won. Did we? We were we were two points ahead at quarter time, and it was basically uh, we, won we won the second half by points. Oh, did we? Okay. Yeah, we won the first three, and then we lost the last one by five. But that, yeah, we won the first we one by won. two. We won the third quarter by six, and the last yeah. last quarter by five. So it was all within you know a kick of each other. And in, indeed, that third quarter we won on a goal right on the siren over the back from uh, Waterman. Yeah. I think it was. So yeah. I wasn't worried about that on the weekend so much as the rest of the time we were sort of barely breaking even with Adelaide and, and relying on um, on some big games from, from a couple of stars. Like you know, Kelly had a huge game. He's had a, a great form. Uh, and Nick Nat absolutely took 
uh, O'Brien to the cleaners. Those two were, I don't know if the coaches gave them best on ground. Um, yeah, five and four each. Been, yeah, with, with Darling, I suppose. But, yeah, those three were the, were the clear standouts and we, we relied on, um, I thought, the Nick Nat and Kelly combination in the middle a lot and Darling's burst uh, to ultimately shake off Adelaide. And, yeah, that was the most concerning thing for me. So I'm in this discussion, I suppose, I'm in the camp that it's not that percentage doesn't matter, but it's a bit, how do I phrase this right? Not precious, but entitled in a way to expect that the Eagles are just going to turn up and, and roll teams. You know, a lot of this chat started when we beat Port Adelaide and we were up by so much against Port Adelaide who were at that point just a powerhouse and had been for a full season. We were up by so much at halftime that people got comfortable and started the percentage discussion. You know, whereas if, if you were just offered us that win on paper pre-game, I think everybody would have signed up for it. So to me, it's context sensitive, but Keys, I couldn't help shake the feeling on the weekend that the Adelaide game was a little bit different. And it's the first time I've really sort of bought into this discussion of maybe it's fitness, maybe it's killer instinct, but the Eagles are really not putting teams away. And for some reason on Sunday, it just felt different to me. And it felt like maybe this is one that is going to come back and bite us. Yeah, for whatever reason, like the, the urgency seemed to fall away, fall out of our game. You know, Adelaide, they came out pretty hard. It was a tight first quarter. You know, you kind of expect that, that sides are going to fight. And Adelaide have got some good ball winners and they, they worked pretty hard, got their noses in front in the second quarter. I don't think I really felt like we were going to lose the game. And then, you know, we had that burst in the second quarter and you thought, oh, here we go, we've, we've got them and we, we could really blow this out. And then we came out in the third quarter and just were half asleep. And I think I think the Crows got it back to 17 points, I think, halfway through that third quarter. And then we sort of kicked in the gear again and, and put, you know, put it back out to six goals, put the game to bed. And in the last quarter, you know, again, just all the urgency went out. You know, that, that ball movement through the middle of the ground set up the, the lead. That stopped and we, we went back to that, you know, that sort of chippy slow motion, the back line, which, you know, that cost us three second half goals. I mean, there was one that, Rotham kicked the Witherden and he's sort of sat there and McAdam gold and then Brass had one that got chopped off uh, in the last quarter and then Witherden grubbed one in the last quarter that went ten meters and went back over his head for another goal. You know, it just it was just kind of it was just really really sloppy. So I don't quite know. I think it's it looks like they go okay, we've done enough, we've got this, and then all the like I said, the urgency just drifts away from the game. So whether that's a conscious thing, whether that's like a, a game plan thing, whether they say, well, look, we've, we've got to try and conserve energy or not, I don't, I don't quite know. It's really hard to put your finger on, but, it, you know, there is times where, you know, Adelaide were pretty, they were ripe for being knocked on the head on Sunday. And we, we kind of just, like an older brother, just sat there with his hand on the little kid's forehead and, and let him swing away and didn't really land any blows. And if you got just that little bit too close, you just give him a tap on the head just to, put him back in his place and as long as they were at arm's length we were content all right it's time for the main event of the week i know we talk footy but really people i think are now just starting to tune in for heroes and villains so it is heroes and villains time for the week uh thank you guys for sending in your own heroes and villains umpires were a very popular villain this week again that's a few in a row uh lynn would like to nominate the song yet again a bit of a weekly nomination 
the good news, Lynn, is that at least if we're hearing it, it means the boys are winning. But yeah, a bit of chat coming back around the song, guys. Uh, villain of the week, Miguel, I'll let you lead us off this week. Anybody stand out for you in the villainy stakes? I had Damien Hardwick, but I think Keys will probably mention him, so I'll leave him for a, oh, a bit. I've got, uh, I've got a list, so you can go. <laughs> I've got <laughs> oh, well, a list. <laughs> I'll, I'll pinch one then, because I struggled this week. But yeah, Hardwick complaining about having to play, Richmond having to play a home game at Marvel, which I kind of get the point that you know it's not their home ground but you get four away games the mcg this year that's probably below average you get geelong are hosting you at the mcg which is over an hour away from their actual home ground so look if if you're unhappy about the situation then you want to trade these occasional home games at marvel for actual away games and then you can go play at cadinia park or and you can go play hawthorne in launceston occasionally then yeah, I think the AFL should offer them that deal. Otherwise, just shut the fuck up. Yeah, or well, Dreamtime at the G can be at Marvel one year, you know, every other year instead of just always being at the G. Things like that. Maybe have some yeah. perspective there, lads. Yeah. Uh, and my other nomination is to the West Coast uh, Board of Directors. It's all very well to you know, take your time and properly consider uh, what to do about Willy Rioli, but uh, we want to know. So just yeah, hurry up. It's, a, man, it's a man's life, but equally, Miguel, we're trying to record a podcast here. So, you know. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and footy fans need to know what's happening. Yes, it's not all about Willie. Yeah, they were my they were my only two nominations. Uh, a quick nomination from myself for the West Australian, just for the Ben Cousins on the front page shit. Leave it alone. Leave him be. It's nice to see that he's doing well. I'm not going to pretend that I'm unhappy to see that he's seemingly doing well, but we just don't need to see him. He's just a he's guy. He's bloody ripped, isn't he? Yeah, he's, I know. Far out. We should all be so lucky. No, he's just some guy playing Ammos. When was the last time that Ammos was on the front page? And I know he's been Cousins. I know, understand, obviously, they're not doing it to cover the Queen's Park footy club or whatever it was. But, like, just Queen's leave him Park got a lot of got a lot of coverage this week, but I haven't ever seen who they played no. or the result of the game. <laughs> Valid point. Just leave him alone. Leave him alone. And if you like seeing him, I'm happy that you got to see him this week, but I would just be very content with uh, not having the rolling coverage of Ben Cousins' life. I don't need it. Right, Santa Keys, you've made a list. Check it twice and unload. Here we go. Let's have it. Yeah, I'll cross one off because I was yeah going to have a ping at the media with Cousins. Just leave a guy alone. It's not front-page news. There's way more important things going on in the world than than a 40-year-old playing MOs on a Sunday afternoon. Leave him alone. Yep, Richmond, Hardwick, bloody Muppets. Richmond have all the clubs. Richmond and Collingwood get the most fixed draw each year because of the MCG tenant crap that they they get allowed for. What are you winching for? And in the end, you really just done it because there was a little bit of heat coming on because of Bolton and Rioli and the press was starting to ask her a couple of questions and it was an absolute shady style diversion to say, oh, look, Alex the Clarkson was the other, is the other one that does it. Look, look over here. Yes, made up something. And Richmond fans, there's 100,000 of you apparently and 18,000 of you can't walk 4Ks to a ground. Mate, you got, you've got to be kidding you guys. How many people have you got as members? And 18,000, that's like St Kilda would be embarrassed with that crowd. So would the Bulldogs. And they've got like five people that support them. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, and whilst I'm on Richmond, Jack Rewell, stop kicking people. Idiot. That's just good advice. Uh, you know, it's about time that AFL actually looked at that. Stop putting your foot up in marking contests. It's dangerous. And if your name was Toby Green, you'd be out for the next three weeks. Uh, Now, umpires, I'm going to give the umpires a little bit of a pass here because it must be really hard. There's 
three or four rule changes every year. And then, but the one that no one ever talks about is aside from the official rule changes is the, the tinkering with the interpretation of the rules that are already there that from season to season, week to week, seem to, to roll out. Even across the weekend, the holding the ball rule was interpreted differently in, in different games. AFL, it really is just something you need to stop, give the umpires a chance. But having said that, umpiring in our game was deplorable. I mean, there's no fuel for the game. I mean, Jared Brander had a goal taken off him because an umpire assumed he was going to run on and started calling play on almost before he'd taken the mark. The guy's running, he's run 50 metres at full pace to try and catch a ball coming in over his shoulder. And then he's had to try and pull. He can't pull up on a 10-cent piece. I mean, mind you, he's also six foot five and 90-odd kilos. You can't just stop on the spot. And you say, play on. I mean, have a look what's going on. Stop guessing what's going to happen. Cripps got taken out over the boundary line. And then there's like, okay, the ball's out. I'll let it go. And the umpire calls holding the ball. You know, Darling got called for a block, allowing Kenny to the mark, which was, yep, fair enough. That was there. Next quarter, McAdam's standing in front of Barras for two hours and blocks him while Phil <laughs> Fort takes a mark. And that's not a block. You know, that's 15 minutes apart and you can't even get consistent with that sort of stuff. It, uh, it was, I mean, one of the other players got called for deliberate in their forward line, which was kind of bizarre. So Demar gets special. It's what he did. Was it North that he pulled the week before yeah. as well? Yeah. I mean, a guy was facing the boundary line and had in a tackle. He dropped on his foot and kicked it five metres. It was a teammate sort of thereabouts. And the other was coming and going, I know, you kicked that delivery. He's like, oh, geez, that's a bit rough. Yeah, oh, it is a heap. But they need, the umpires need to get better and the umpires need to score their, you know, what they're doing with the rules. Then, you know, holding the ball, Ratton had a probably a reasonable sort of gripe and said, you know, we made 80-odd tackles and we got one free kick or something like that for holding the ball. Then Bevo, good old Bevo, comes out and says, oh, they're holding the ball, boys, rule because everyone wins about how we won the 2016 grand final. It's like, it's your fault, you idiot, because you allowed your players, you taught your players just to throw the ball out in front of you and made a bloody, won a premiership on the back of it. And now you're sort of complaining because the AFL sort of tried to stamp it out, getting a bin beverage. The holding the ball rule or the, the interpretation seemed to change over the weekend. A lot oh, of the games I watched. Yeah. yeah. But there was yeah. so many of the games where it just it wasn't being paid in situations where you'd expect it to be paid. I'd, uh, you, you have these things where there seems to be a rule of the week and that seemed to be the one that well, it was a, a non-rule of the week that players yeah. you know, could just be swung 720 degrees or be dragged to ground and... And by the um, way, if sorry to cut you off there, Miguel, but if Bevo wants to talk about holding the ball or incorrect disposal, like get stuffed, mate. Do, have you watched a Bulldogs game lately? The the throwing and the handball and the you know commentators always cream their jeans and go, oh, it's clever handball there. It was a rugby pass. It was a two handed flick behind his head. Anybody can do that. You shouldn't because it's not within the rules, and most players don't because they think they're going to get pinged. But far out, these little like thrust sort of knock on handballs. Everybody, when they're taught at Auskick, or at least certainly this is the way I was taught, you, you put the ball on your hand, one of your hands is the platform, and then they'd always tell us when we were real little kids, they're like, oh, it's imagine you got an ice cream cone and you smush the ice cream cone into the back of the ball. That's how I was taught when I was like three or four. I haven't seen any ice cream cones getting smushed lately, Keys, have you? Nah, none. I've uh, seen some buckets of water getting thrown, but no ice creams getting smushed. But then that's not my main one. Oh, boy. We, we gave uh, we gave Alex Mann a rusty a week or two ago. 
Now, we've got another journo who's not a footy journo. He's a political journo, sticking his nose in where he shouldn't. Joe Spagnolo, come on down, mate. Your turn. Not sure if anyone caught it. Adam Simpson did his weekly Thursday pre-game press conference, scheduled in every week. They talk about the game that's coming, not surprisingly, and you know, I'm sure Simpson wasn't surprised. He got some questions about Willie Rioli. He answered those as best he could. And then some long decided that, yeah, what about you guys knew about it on Friday? You didn't say you knew about it till Monday. Blah, 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 blah. And tried to catch him and just kept going on and on and on and on until the point where Simpson, you could, if you watch it, you can see him getting visibly frustrated. He just turns around and goes, You're rambling, mate. I don't understand it. This guy went on for four or five minutes, hijacked a, a press conference about a game. It's like, you don't need to be there. You're a political journo. Go write your stuff for your nerdy mates. We're not interested. <laughs> let the um, let the sport, you know, let the adults pretending to be children that follow sports, let us sort of talk about sport. You just do your political stuff. Get in the bin, you mug. And then he wrote a gotcha article about it as well on Sunday with all the information that he'd wanted to write and Simo gave him none of it and he just wrote it anyway. Yeah, so he's my villain of the week. And then, yeah, that's, that's my done. Uh, Miguel, are we are we accepting villain of the week for young Joe Spagnolo there? Or yeah, not sure. He's, not sure he's that young. He seems no. to have been around for a long time. But, yeah, um, he's yeah, got a very suspect definitely. Twitter bio as well. I'm not encouraging people to go and send him anything, but just go and have a look. Do not send him anything, but go and have a look and just see what's going on in his Twitter bio. Very, very suspect indeed. Yeah, the thing the thing that got me about that article was the headline, which he's probably not responsible for. But the headline was something about you know, Eagles not giving straight answers. It was like, watch the press conference and you read what's actually in the article and you got your f-ing answer. So I, I don't know what that's about. Well, I do know what it's about. Rusty spike coming your way, mate. Right, yep. heroes, we'll pivot. We'll go positive. Uh, a couple of quick ones from me. Weird one, as always, Jesse Hogan. I know we're playing against him this week, but for the time being, I'm going to nominate him for Hero of the Week. Miguel, he kicked 18 goals in 19 games at Frio and then they turfed him. They gave up the world for him and then they got rid of him for very little. Against Richmond, he kicked four goals in about two minutes. It was the Jesse Hogan show. It was amazing. And although the Giants ran out of steam, he's now got eight goals in two games at GWS. Quite a nice return. And another left field hero of the week, Mark Zuckerberg. Not a popular bloke, but I got the Facebook memories thing this week. And it popped up, you know, like on this day, X number of years ago, you posted this, that or the other. And it reminded me that it was the various anniversaries of Nick Natanui's goal after the siren against North Melbourne and Liam Ryan's mark over Max Gorn. They both happened on the same day, May 17th, and I got a little pop-up on Monday that reminded me. So, Zuckerberg, you're uh, a bit of a weird freak, mate, but that one's all right by me. Miguel, any heroes from yourself? Uh, I had, I have, I've got a weird one. Um, Dean Margetts. Uh, no. Similar to Keyes' nomination. Yeah, probably fair enough to veto it. But, um, yeah, he's, uh, I think Keyes mentioned last week or the week before that he's, um, well, it might have been you, actually, but he's, he's trying to put these rumours of any Eagles favouritism to bed. He absolutely did that on the weekend because all of those calls that Keyes was complaining about, I think, were him. The Brander one was definitely him, Brett calling Brander to play on. Um, Tom Cole, giving Tom Cole 50, basically, for not being able to stop on a dime. That was the one that really got me. So, yeah, uh, shouldn't be uh, any any rumours that he uh, follows the Eagles and uh, equally he shouldn't be expecting any invites to any weddings or anything in the future. Uh, and Jamie Cripps was my other one, but, yeah. Uh, Stacey sent in her hero Of course it was Jack Darling She said Wayne Carey like Marking strength unstoppable Basically pen it down in the record When he's lining up for goal as well 
Rare form, all Australian beckons. So thanks for writing that one in for us, Stacey. Keys, you had a big list for villains. Do we have any heroes from yourself this week? I'm almost certain I got through my Villain of the Week spiel without one F-bomb and probably no other swear words. So I'm nominating myself. He's not nominating himself. (laughs) (laughs) But but on a serious note, I'm going to nominate. I'm going to jump codes. I'm going to nominate Perth Wildcats. 35 final series in a row. That is unbelievable. With a roster at the start of the season, a lot of people were questioning whether uh, this was going to be the year they were going to miss out. So, Perth Wildcats for me. Miguel, I know you're partial to the old cats there. Are we naming uh, are we naming the Wildcats the hero of the week, or do you truly genuinely want to give it to Dean Margetts? Uh, no, didn't want to give it to Margetts and didn't want to give it to Keys either. Yeah, either Cats or um, Jack Darling. I mean, he really did actually put the... Uh, superhero cape on for uh, 15 minutes on the weekend 15 minutes isn't 35 years i reckon we give it to the cats <laughs> good point round 10 the west coast eagles take on the gws giants 11 10 a.m western standard time this sunday it's at giants stadium that's giants in all caps thanks you very much uh, Miguel, if there was a club that was hit harder than the Eagles with the injury list, it's actually probably the Giants because you look at theirs and it's absolutely grim. But as I run through the Eagles injury list now, the worm has well and truly turned. There's a lot of tests. There's a couple of TBCs, but we're starting to get the stars back. So I'll rattle them off now and then, Migs, I might get your changes as well. Oscar Allen, somewhat of the bionic man. We saw him this week with his elbow in a weird little sling slash brace setup, but he's a test, hopefully good to go. Liam Duggan, four weeks with the knee. Shannon Hearn, a test with the calf. He might come in and break that game's record that we previewed all those weeks ago. Uh, McGovern is a test with some knee soreness, but of course he played on the weekend. Liam Ryan, a test with the shin. Would be fantastic to see him back. Shuey, TBC with the hamstring. Seems likely to come back after the bye. Vardy is a test with the foot, and I would say he seems likely to come back via the waffle, given what we've seen from Bailey Williams. Uh, Venables, of course, TBC with concussion. Winder, six weeks with the knee, unfortunately. And Elliot Yo, TBC with the groin, but trending very much in the right direction. And I think he even mentioned today on radio that he's a, a bit of a chance to come back before the bye. So, Migs, we might see Yoe at some point in the near future. Who are we going to see this weekend line up for the Eagles? Uh, well, it sounds like we'll see both Ryan and Hearn come in. would understand, especially with Hearn, if they wanted to be extra cautious and uh, give him one more week and also allow him to get that record-breaking game out of the way at home. Um, which would be nice, but last time they sort of played around that, he popped a calf in the captain's run and was missed two weeks. So maybe just get it out if, he, if he's fit, just pick him. Causes a bit of a headache because there's no real candidates I could find to go out for either of them. Alan having the bionic arm might almost be a blessing in disguise because we're a bit tall. I sort of, in my changes, I sort of had Waterman coming out just because don't like the look of it with Kennedy, Darling, Allen, Williams and Waterman all in there. But yeah, Allen being injured, would, I said we'll cheap out there, albeit we'll be missing Allen. I pulled up a stat. The three games that we've had Kennedy, Darling and Allen all playing as full-time forwards. So take out, there were two games where Allen was the backup ruck. There were two games when he played, when he played down back and there was uh, one game that Kennedy missed. So the four games that those three have played together as full-time forwards. Uh, they've kicked eight goals, uh, nine goals, 11 goals, and then another 11 goals in Adelaide uh, against Adelaide. So when we do have the three of them out there, uh, it, it's working 
absolute wonders. But having said that, I'd uh, be resting Alan this week because we need to take just a longer-term view with him, I think, uh, and not bringing up these sort of accruing all these little niggles and we, we probably need to almost save him from, from himself by resting him uh, rather than you know, letting him run out until he physically can't actually get on the field. Um, and then down the other end, so if Hearn comes in, it's probably a four-way call between uh, Nelson, Rotham, Witherden or Cole to go out for them, uh, to go out for him. And I sort of I swing around on all of those. I can't work out who to who to rest. Uh, possibly Cole, just because he's also been knocked around a little bit. Might be a week to maybe plan around giving him a potential week off and taking him over as the sub and hopefully not using him. I wouldn't make any other changes. Archie and Cripps and Jones are sort of giving a chop out in the in the midfield, but I think that'll uh, continue until we do get yeah, Yo's probably our next midfielder to come back, so it'll probably continue until then because they don't seem keen to play uh, O'Neill at the moment and no one got any waffle game in on the weekend. Uh, there is a waffle game against East Perth coming up and if we do get a bit of a stronger team back, we might actually win that. And uh, So, yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed, we can turn around that 125-point loss with a, a bit of a stronger lineup. But, yeah, just having gone completely off topic there, yes, uh, my changes <laughs> are uh, Ryan for an injured Allen and Hearn for an unlucky slash give him a go as the sub, Cole. Very similar. I've got Ryan and Hearn in. The changes I found very difficult, but I did land, like you, Miguel, I landed with Ryan for Waterman just to balance out the, the running capacity. I know Waterman can get up the ground pretty well, but when it hits ground level, I'd rather Liam Ryan giving chase for a tackle than Jake Waterman. And with Brander's emergence, I think maybe is that eating into Waterman's role a little bit up the ground? I have to see, you know, I suppose how that looks over a larger sample size. But for now, Ryan for Waterman. And correct, yeah, at the other end, I had no idea what to do. It's Hearn for someone... I think the best role fit is Hearn for Witherden, but I like the concept of them playing together and that giving us some good kicking skills off the off the half-back line. Another option would be Hearn for Rotham, which would be brutally unlucky to Rotham. He's been nothing but fantastic, but you know, can you avoid to give up the Nelsons and the Coles for a team in GWS that have a couple of interesting small forwards? Uh, maybe I'm putting too much stock into the fact that Tom Cole did the media this week. I feel like they wouldn't have put him up. If they knew full well they were going to drop him, I don't know how to read that. Maybe I'm overstepping there. But for now, I guess I'll go Ryan for Waterman and Hearn for Rotham. And that is about the unluckiest dropping I think I can recall in recent Eagles history there with for Rotham. Uh, Keys, do you have the two All-Australians coming in and, and who makes way if you do? Yeah, I, those two guys are in. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be unhappy if they gave uh, Hearn another week just to make sure his old man calves are okay. But the noises from the club are that he's going to be good to go. So, so he comes in. Yeah, I think you've got four guys who just absolutely don't deserve to be dropped. Um, you know, Rotham, Witherden, Nelson, and Cole. None of them, but one of them's got to go out for Hearn. I tend to land on Witherden simply because he was the guy that came in to replace Hearn. Um, so then I see him as the one going out. That's not particularly fair, but. You know, I I don't like either Nelson or Cole going out because I think we need, if one of them comes out, backline of Govan, McGovern, Barras, Rotham, Hearn, Witherden just seems a little bit clunky. So, yeah, so Hearn for Witherden for me. Uh, yeah, and then a similar problem up forward. You know, Ryan comes in. Yeah, Alan, if we if you need to rest and there's... You know, some reasons for that to happen. He does look a little bit beat up, but he had a he had a brace on early in the season and he played and played well. So 
I don't know there's too much to that. I'm sort of falling on Waterman simply because, for the same reasons, if we take out one or the other, like Archie's the other candidate, I think he just gives us a little bit more mobility. Not a lot, but I could see either Archie or Waterman coming out. And I don't like the The other one is that we take Williams out and throw Alan back into the ruck. But if he's already a little bit banged up, that seems to be counterproductive. And I wouldn't be, I don't want to see it, but I wouldn't be completely surprised if they um, put Vardy back in if he comes over his injury uh, to replace Williams. An outside chance, but and not one I want to see. He doesn't like that idea. I feel similar to your dog about the prospect of Vardy replacing Williams. I've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no takers there, I don't think, unfortunately, for, yeah. uh, for young Nathan Vardy. The, the good problem is when you've got good players coming out and no injuries, the force, you, you know, guys are being unlucky. I think that's the good thing about this last three weeks is some of those lesser light players have actually had you know reasonably good runs of form, which will hold us in good stead later on down the tr- year if um, we need to call upon them again. Depth is a good thing, not a, not a bad thing. So I spoke about the Giants' injuries woes, and whilst I won't go through the whole list, because we'd be here all day, it's a it's a very extensive list. The big out for them this week is, of course, going to be Toby Green. He's going to miss a couple of weeks with a shoulder injury, and that starts in round 10. Uh, Miguel, you look at the names that are left, though, and it is still a pretty frightening list on paper. You've got memories of the Giants' being that team that surged to a grand final and, you know, they looked poised to really rip the AFL apart for a few years. A rocky start to this season, but maybe they're figuring themselves out and they've still got, you know, Taranto, Kelly, uh, Ward, Whitfield, Hopper. they got guys all over the park that can, you know, really stretch a team and, and give them some grief in the middle. They've got tall forwards in Himmelberg. They've got Hogan, who I, I mentioned before, is surprisingly playing some good footy. Uh, Finlayson. It's just, it's a solid roster on paper and you can't, well, certainly I can't quite understand why they started so poorly. Of the games in this five-game stretch, I think these are going to be the hardest opponent we've faced thus far. Yeah, absolutely, particularly because we've got to go over there and play them. Um, It's good that we're getting some guys back. They're looking, yeah, a little bit like we were maybe a couple of weeks ago where they are missing um, a lot of their big-name players, but they've sort of, they've got some decent depth to come in and, and fill the gaps and um, yeah, the midfield battle is probably the um, the main issue that I see on paper, at least. They they bat pretty deep there with those names you mentioned. Um, Taranto, Ward, Hopper, Kelly, uh, even Tom Green now, um, even though they've lost uh, Coniglio and for a while, I think, and they've, they've got Perryman going out this week as well. That'll hurt them, but that's probably the area we're still waiting to get uh, soldiers back, and um, yeah, that's where it'll start. On paper, we can probably uh, take advantage of them if we do get enough forward entries. Um, they've lost Lockie Keith. They haven't had Phil Davis for a while. So they're going to struggle to match up on those big um, forwards that we keep talking about or whichever of them play. So if we can yeah, if we can get enough supply to our forwards, we, we should be able to, with our efficiency going in there, we should be able to put enough points on the board to, uh, to get over the top of them. Seems like that's what I say every week, really. But see, that's the key to our game, at least, is, um, is yeah, Nick, that getting on top, the, uh, giving some silver service to our midfielders and uh, and uh, Kelly and Gaff and Sheed and Redden uh, continuing their strong form and, and getting the ball quickly inside our forward line. So, yeah, that's once again where the game will be won and lost, I think, because uh, our back line's looking stronger now. Uh, and uh, our forward line, if it gets enough supply, should have it all over their back line. 
Yeah, it's a familiar talking point, but it doesn't make it any less accurate. The Eagles second in the league in scoring, but they're fifth worst in inside 50s. And that's actually, we've climbed the rankings considerably in the last fortnight. We were 17th a few weeks ago. So it's it's all supply. If we can get it into these guys and Kennedy, Darling, Allen, hopefully Ryan, you know, Cripps is back. Petch is starting to show a little bit more forward craft as well. If we can get the supply up for these guys, keys the score should be there for us to kick. Now, uh, Miguel just mentioned then the ruck duel with Nick Natanui. He's going to be leading off the ruck against Matt Flynn for the Giants. Now, this bloke interests me. He's played five games of footy all this season, drafted in the 2015 National Draft. Now, that's the same offseason where the Eagles got Jack Redden and got Lewis Jetta. It's the same offseason we drafted Tom Cole. We drafted Partington, Matt Allen, Kurt Mutimer. Some of those guys are names that we haven't really heard for a while. And yet, here's a guy in Matt Flynn for GWS who's not only making his debut this year, but he's really turning into their number one option in the ruck. So that Nick Nat versus Flynn battle, you'd hope that Nick Nat can get on top and, and that could be a really big turning point in the game for the Eagles. Yeah, I, I think um, even if uh, that side comes back, we should, should go clear dominance in the, in the ruck. But even with Green out and Cornelio, that Giants midfield still, on paper, is still pretty impressive. You know, you Hopper, young Tom Green and... Whitfield, Taranto, Ward, that's a, that's a good bit for I mean, I don't quite understand why GWS struggle as much as what they do, but they do struggle. Um, so supply is going to be that thing. Uh, you know, our guys, that group, you know, Kelly, Gaff, Sheed and Redden, they're going to have to um, spread the load again amongst them um, because they're up against a, a pretty formidable midfield combination with the Giants. Hopefully... I'd like to see um, Brander sort of given a bit more of a role on, on Whitfield. He's got the athleticism and the height to go with Whitfield. And he's a player that's uh, chopped us up in the past. So if we can keep him on the leash a little bit, that'll be handy. And I think Brander's a, uh, a pretty good matchup for him. In the end, it's just a matter of uh, you know, getting supply. I think our, our backs have got enough talent there to you know, keep on top of... Um, GWS, although Finlayson coming back gives them a little bit more bite because he's coming back from suspension. And then with the likes of um, Pill Davis and that out for the Giants down back, uh, our, our tools should uh, they get the supply, should be able to kick a, enough to win. But yeah, it comes, I suppose, like every week it ends up coming back to the midfield. Just to uh, not pay lip service as such, but just to close it all out on the matchups point of view there, Miguel, if we turn our attention to the Giants forward line, the Eagles' back line, we're expecting Shannon Hearn to return. We've seen Gov and Tom Barras shake off the rust, but as we've been saying, look, the Giants very talented on paper, and it doesn't stop at the forward line. Even without Green, they've got a lot of tall options. They've got you know some crafty guys. Ian Hill was somebody that I think Eagles fans really wanted, whether it was possible to get him or not. They really wanted to see him come stay west in the draft. You know, they got small forward options. They got mids that run through and kick goals. So the back line should be in for a busy day, unfortunately. How do you see the Eagles pairing off to try and nullify the Giants' threat? Uh, well, they've got some uh, key uh, forward targets, uh, as you said, that uh, will trouble us a bit. Hogan yeah, appears to be turning into the player that uh, Freo traded for and didn't get, which is funny. Um, <laughs> so Barras probably takes him. I was thinking uh, when we were doing the changes that uh, with McGovern being under a cloud as well, maybe we could just you know, rest him and Allen and just bring in Hearn. does make us pretty small. Uh, in the back line, and the Giants probably aren't the team to do that against. They've, yeah, they've got Finlayson and 
Himmelberg and possibly a resting ruckman down there if they go for uh, the thin Mumford combination. So they will stretch us a little bit defensively. Um, yeah, having Tom Green, not Tom Green, Toby Green out uh, helps us a bit because that probably frees Shep up to uh, maybe take one of those smalls. He can play on a um, on a hill, probably got the speed to do that. But, yeah, uh, it's the, the key forwards. Apart from Hill, I think it's the key forwards that will trouble us. But we yeah, just need to back our guys in. They've done some decent jobs. Uh, you know, Barras kept Dixon quiet and uh, kept Tom Hawkins pretty quiet, uh, even in um, a 97-point loss. So he was in pretty good form before he went out. Looked a little bit shaky early against Adelaide, but came good. And, yeah, will be much better for, for the hit out. And, um, yeah, has a big job on his hands this week against Hogan. Keys, I'll let you lead the way on the tips this week. Are the Eagles going to continue their fine winning form? And if so, by how much? Which Eagle is going to impress us the most on Sunday? I'm thinking us just, but not confident enough to pick us by 24. I'm going to halve it and go Eagles by 12. I think JK will be tired of patting everyone else on the back and being happy for everyone else. And he's going to want a big lick of the ice cream himself. So handballing practice with ice cream being smushed and he's going to kick eight and be best on ground. Love to hear that one. Uh, Migs, I heard a rumour you were actually pretty close on the tip last week, so can you tell us with your ironclad opinion here what is going to happen in the West Coast versus Giants game? <laughs> yeah, I think I went for uh, 32 points last week and we won by 30, so pretty close. Can't recall who I picked for best on, but I don't think they had a great game, whoever it was. I'll pick us to win this time. Uh, like Keys, I think it'll be a close one, so I'll say 18 points. Uh, best of field to be Andrew Gaff, who's... Um, found a nice little vein of form in the past few weeks since someone wanted him out for missing a tackle against Geelong. Um, got his running game <laughs> yeah. going again. I'm, I'm not forgetting that. You're never going to let that go, are you? To be clarified, it was yep. nobody here. It was a, it was no. a bullshit post, but you will never let that go. It's a bullshit post, but they stuck to their guns on it. Anyway, um, yeah, so yeah, Gaff to be best on ground and us to win by 18. Uh, I am going to take a victory lap on my Jack Darling for best on ground call for last week. This, of course, comes on the heel of me taking a victory lap for my Andrew Gaff for best on ground against the Hawks call. So I'm on a bit of a roll. I'm going to say Nick... Mind, mind you, the coach has had Kelly and Nat Nui as best on ground, not, not Jack, so, you know. Yeah, but, I mean, they're, <laughs> they're over there and I'm here. I, you know, They're biased. they got their thumb on the scale. I think we can all agree. Uh, well, Nick Nat's going to back it up one way or the other. He's going to impress against the Giants. And I will kiss of death again and say the Giants are going to win it by 10 points. Definitely the toughest game of this stretch. Certainly it looks that way on paper. Um, but the Eagles thus far ticking the boxes that they need to tick. Sometimes in style, sometimes not. But yeah, I'd, I'd be very happy with a West Coast win this week by hook or by crook. And we can uh, just carry on, hopefully keep ticking the boxes and, and get to the bye. All right, guys, that will do it from us this week. Thank you very much to Miguel. Thanks for joining us back on the show there, Migs. Yeah, no worries. And all that talk of ice cream before has made me hungry, so I'm going to go off and get something to eat. Fantastic. Keys, thank you very much for joining us on the show. Quick review of your dinner. How did that go, mate? Yeah, outstanding. I'm a good cook. <laughs> Excellent. You're good at ranting as well, so we appreciate the uh, Villain of the Week segment. As always, Keys, time to shine. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for all the reviews and the shares. Our listening numbers are really starting to grow as well on Spotify, which is really fantastic to see. If you want to share the podcast around, tell a mate. We'd really appreciate that one as well. You can find us on Twitter at WCEBFpod. You can find us on Facebook. We're on Big Footy as well. Pretty much all over the place. Just uh, type in Big Footy Eagles podcast and we will be there. 
Until next week, guys, fingers crossed for the Eagles to get the job done in round 10. We'll talk to you next week. We'll likely have some Willy Rioli news to uh, unpack as well, I would suggest. But either way, we will talk to you at a similar time next week. We'll see you then. See you. Bye. Go Eggs, free Willy.